0: The world of real estate investing is always changing. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, attorney and author Natalia Ouellette-Grice has the expertise to provide valuable guidance on how to navigate the complexities of real estate investing. This is The Legacy Academy. Hello and welcome to The Legacy Academy. I'm your host, Justin Grice, the COO of LCO Law, and with me is my wife, attorney Natalia Ouellette Grice, the author of four amazing real estate investment books that you need to get your hands on to up-level your real estate business. You can check out the description below and find a link to all these awesome books. Um, so today, in, uh, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing what you can do if there are people occupying the properties that you buy. Uh, not being able to legally gain possession of your investment properties carries some obvious obstacles and headaches for you and your business. So let's dive into some different scenarios and ways that you can legally take possession of these properties. Natalia, hello. Um, (laughs) What are some common possession issues that real estate investors may encounter when purchasing a property?
1: So, you know, things that you can discover are obviously like squatters in the property, right? People that broke in in between the the deal closing. Um, You might be dealing with former owners who don't want to leave. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There might be tenants that you weren't aware of and uh, sometimes even surprise spouses of the people that sold you the property. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've dealt with that too. (laughs)
0: We have. Uh, Is there any way that an investor uh, can determine if a property that they're uh, interested in has possession issues, potential possession issues?
1: Um, Yeah, so, like, as far as, you know, an easy inspection, right, if you see cars parked there and it's supposed to be vacant, um, you can have a conversation with the neighbors. Ask them, like, who's there? Uh, You can also kind of, like, call the utility company, see if any utilities are turned on. uh, If you feel safe doing it, you know, walk by the meters and see if, like, there's been change in the meters. Um, If you might have possession issues, if uh, the seller in the transaction uh is saying that they have people there but they don't have signed leases so now you know that you're dealing with like an oral lease and that's going to be a nightmare (laughs) um or if you go knock on the door to introduce yourself and say like hey you know like i'm here to inspect and like they refuse to talk they refuse to open the door you're you're definitely dealing with somebody that's going to be difficult
0: okay all right so what steps should an investor take when they discover that a property they purchased is occupied by somebody else
1: so this is gonna sound like absurd, but it really is the basic starting point. How do they purchase this property? Cause that really does make a huge difference as to what the steps are, right? Okay. So if you purchased it at an arm's length transaction with a closing company and you discover that it's occupied, okay, then you know, you need to ask like, what's the status of this person in there, right? Like. Sure. Are, are you are you related to the former, to the person that sold me the property? Are you a tenant? If so, like, what's the lease agreement say? You know, like, what are you paying in rent? Um, that differs greatly from, like, buying it at a foreclosure or a tax deed auction. Because mm-hmm. if you buy it at a tax deed auction, you've got a right to immediate possession, period. It doesn't matter if it's a tenant, an occupant, a former owner, like the governor of the state of Florida. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. Um but if you buy it at a foreclosure, you need to know, are they a tenant or are they a former owner or the former owner's family member? Because if they're a tenant, then they have certain protections under the law.
0: Okay. All right. Um, so that actually kind of leads into this next question here is what legal rights do occupants have if they're living in a property that has just been sold to a new owner?
1: So again, the magic words, <laughs> it depends, Right. Um, If you acquire the property a regular purchase transaction, right, if they have a lease agreement, then that lease is going to say what legal rights the occupants have, right? And remember, oral leases are also enforceable. So if they say, I've got a month-to-month lease here, I've been paying $800 a month, right, Um, and it's just an oral agreement, Okay, you've got to timely terminate that unless you want to make only eight hundred dollars a month in that piece of real estate. <laughs> right, and, and
0: that's something that we've actually run into. Um, you know, they said, "Oh, yeah, I have a a month to month, and it's way below market value."
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's if you were at a regular purchase transaction. If you acquire it at a tax deed, remember, occupants have no legal rights. You can uh, file a lawsuit to remove them right then and there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and it's, this is done through like a faster procedure where it's kind of like an eviction where they only get five days to respond. It's, it's supposed to be very, very quick. Then if you acquire the property through foreclosure, again, you have to run through that game of is this a tenant or is this an occupant, right? Sure. And if it's a tenant, are they a bona fide tenant, Right. Did they become a tenant through an arm's length transaction? Are they actually paying rent? And is it not substantially less than market rent? And are they not related to the people that were the prior owners? Mm -hmm. So those are like the things that you have to go through. If they are a valid bona fide tenant, then you have to post a specific notice that complies with Florida law.
0: Sure. So when you say not a relative of the previous owner, where does that end? Like, I'm his third cousin, twice removed.
1: (laughs) Good question. So the statute does say like, you know, essentially immediate family immediate members, family. Right? like parent, child, sister, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Great. So are there any specific laws or regulations that investors should be aware of when dealing with these possession issues?
1: Yes. Right. So if you acquire a, you know, like a condominium or a house And they tell you that they're a tenant, you're going to be dealing with chapter 83 of the Florida statutes. That is the one, the code that deals with regular landlord tenancy issues. Okay. Um, Which is the same one that's got the reference to even tenants at foreclosure. If there's a tenant at foreclosure and it was a mortgage foreclosure that was like a federally backed mortgage, then you're also dealing with the federal law, the Federal Tenants at Foreclosure Act. Okay. And... If they are a tenant, but this is a mobile home community, then you're actually dealing with Chapter 723 of the Florida Statutes, which is a little bit different.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) So what she's saying, folks, is hire an attorney (laughs) if you have possession issues. Um, So can investors negotiate directly with the occupants so that they voluntarily vacate the property?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, the concept of cash for keys has been has been a longstanding practice between real estate investors.
0: Can you explain a little bit about what cash for keys might be?
1: Yes. So I'll start off with what you need to do anyway, even if you offer cash for keys. Okay. okay. So yeah. if the if the person in there is a tenant, you still need to give the notices of termination pursuant to you know if it's a lease agreement, or if you acquired at foreclosure, that tenant's at foreclosure statute notice requirement. You still need to do that immediately, as soon as you get your time, right? Yeah, okay. Then you can start saying, okay, all right, you know, like if you leave by X date, right, and take all your stuff with you and leave it in a good condition, then I'll give you X amount of money, right? But you don't wanna make it so that it's a stupid amount of money. Generally, if you can offer less than what the litigation would cost, then offer that.
0: Yeah, okay. Right? That makes sense.
1: Uh, but if they say, no, I want like six grand, I want five grand, you, you, the litigation is going to be cheaper than that. Sure. <laughs> so um, cash for keys is to be used wisely, but you can absolutely do it. Just make sure that notices are in place so that you can always fall back on the litigation basis to get them out having those timely notices.
0: Okay. All right. So now how can investors ensure that they're conducting proper due diligence? I mean, that's something that we talk about all the time. Do your due diligence, do your due diligence. And you're not always going to be able to identify if the place is occupied or not prior to bidding or prior to purchasing. What are some ways that they can identify potential possession issues before purchasing the property?
1: So if you're in a regular, you know, I'm buying this transaction through a title company kind of thing, you in your inspection... I mean, first of all, put that you have a right to inspect, right? Sure. Then you can go in the property and you can see if it's occupied, right? Because right? that's a right in there under contract terms.
0: Now, is occupation a mandatory disclosure?
1: Occupancy? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that's a material term, right? Okay. Or is somebody coming in here or not? And most of the standard contracts, the ones promulgated by the Florida Bar and the Florida Association of Realtors, require putting in, like, is it going to be occupied or is it going to come with, like, nobody there is sure. it going to come with like a tenant right okay so if it's if they've put in the contract that there is an occupant right ask for those leases as part of the inspection period you need to ask for those leases you need to see what you're getting yourself into because if you're buying it and there's an occupant disclosed you are buying it subject to yeah. that person's occupancy rights
0: ta now you're a landlord
1: exactly exactly <laughs> If you're buying it, though, at a foreclosure, right, you can look at the pleadings in the docket. You can see, like, has there a tenant been served in this case? Is the final judgment being sent out to somebody named tenant, right? Or or occupant. Unknown occupant. Yeah, we see that all the time. Um, And if you have a tax deed acquisition, uh, you can kind of get an idea of whether you're going to need to file one of these, like, quick lawsuits to get somebody out. And by quick, I mean, like, within a month (laughs) okay we're talking like we're talking quick in terms of the court process not quick in terms of like what most people think mentally is quick um but but a month or six weeks uh, in a court system is really really fast because the average length of a normal case is is, you know like 18 months so so six weeks really fast activity so anyway Um, With a tax deed one, you can check the clerk's certificate of notice. So they record this right when they record, like, um, in the tax deed file. They have this. Mm -hmm. And that information will say where notices were sent. And if they're sending notices to the former owner at a different address, that gives you an idea that, well, it's not the prior owners that are there, and maybe there's somebody else that's in the property, right? So that can give you some clues.
0: All right. Um, can investors pursue any legal uh, action against previous owners or the sellers if they fail to disclose uh, a possession issue like occupancy or, hey, I knew that these guys were there, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep that quiet.
1: Yeah. So you can't pursue legal action against prior owners if you bought it at a foreclosure or at a tax deed. Why? Because this is a concept of caveat emptor. And so it's like buyer beware. It comes with, you know, squatters. <laughs> But if you bought it through a regular purchase sale transaction and they failed to disclose that there was somebody in the property that you were going to have to be dealing with, they gave you a warranty deed. That warranty deed is a contract. Okay. So that warranty deed says that they're guaranteeing that there's not going to be anybody with superior claims to yours, which includes claims to possession.
0: And you uh-huh. can
1: sue them based on that. So okay. yes.
0: Okay. All right. Great. Uh, so you buy a property. There are people in there. You're you're buying this property to rent it out anyway. Um, can an investor just rent or lease the property to occupants who are already residing there at the time of the purchase?
1: So investors have to if there's a valid like lease, sure. right? So number one. You, you have to, if you bought it at a regular arm's length transaction and you knew there was a lease agreement, you're stuck with that lease until renewal comes. And if you heard me talk about leases, if there's an automatic renewal provision, shame on you for accepting that. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah was part that's of something due diligence. Should check
0: out, right? Because
1: you might be stuck with this person for years, mm-hmm. right? But if you bought it at like a tax deed sale or a foreclosure auction, you know, you're not vetting them, these people were, you know, are very high risk, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so I would say I don't recommend that you rent out to the people that were there when you acquired it via foreclosure, or to the people that were there when you acquired it via tax deed sale, because there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that you know it's ended up in foreclosure or ended up in tax deed auction. And it's just not a good practice, right? You want to be able to, if you're putting somewhere in your somebody in your rental properties, you vetted them, right? Yeah. You want it to be some, like they went through your entire process. You did your due diligence. You've checked their income, all of that. Um, so I don't recommend just letting people be there, especially if they're like, oh, and I fixed the roof thing here and I blah. blah. No, that's just asking for subsequent litigation where they're going to try to take title from you.
0: Yeah. All right. Now, we've touched on this a little bit, um, and you gave us that great lawyer answer, it depends. (laughs) Um, But are there any specific forms or notices that investors should use when addressing possession issues with occupants? I know that you said notice of termination of tenancy, but it depends on how they acquired the property. Mm -hmm. Can you dive a little deeper into that and explain in specific situations where notice is required?
1: Right. So like if you if you bought it at a tax deed auction, you don't need to give any notices. So we'll start there. Right. No notice is required for a tax deed auction. Um, If you bought it at a foreclosure and they say they're tenants. Right. uh, Your job is to ask, okay, how much are you paying in rent? Let me see your lease. Right. And then you're going to create your notice based on Florida statute that says what you're going to put in there, giving them 90 days Mm -hmm. from when you got when you put down the notice to be tenants or be terminated depending on the type of lease that they have because if they have a written lease for a longer period of time you can't terminate it in 90 days unless you're you're going to be living at that property
0: okay so you have to use that as your homestead
1: so yeah so that acquisition would have to be for your primary residence if they have a written lease and it's longer than 90 days under the written lease doesn't mean you can't terminate it earlier if they don't pay if they don't pay you can petition the court to terminate that earlier but you need to have it in the notice specifically right 90 days is only 90 days if they have an oral month-to-month lease or if they have a um lease that expires in less than 90 days that's written
0: okay so you're telling me that if there's a written lease in place, mm-hmm. they have to pay you the amount that's on the Absolutely, lease. Absolutely, yes. You become their landlord. Mm-hmm. They have to submit the money to yep. you. And if they don't...
1: You can yeah. ask for a possession before that with a court.
0: And so would that be like through an eviction process or...
1: No. If it's if you acquired it via foreclosure, it's done in the same foreclosure case. Okay. You don't file a separate eviction. Right? Okay. This is one big common misconception that I see. Um, If, though, you acquire it through a regular arm's length transaction with a title company and all of that, right? Then um, if they breach, just like you become their regular landlord. Yeah. So if they breach, it's based on whatever your lease terms are. Could be like they breached that they weren't supposed to have a pet. And so you have to give a, a notice for that, which could be a seven-day notice. Um, It could be that they stopped paying rent and that could be a three-day notice or more depending on what the lease says, mm-hmm. right? So.
0: But you're saying that they are bound Mm-hmm. You as the investor, if you buy this property, you're yep. bound by whatever that lease agreement if says. If it's
1: an arm strength acquisition, yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. All unless right. unless they didn't disclose right any occupancy and then you can sue them on it.
0: Right. Well, that actually is leading to my next question. Can investor pursue legal remedies uh, to recover any financial losses? Hey, I, I just wanted to flip this. I had a buyer lined up, but now I have to deal with this eviction or unlawful detainer or whatever the case may be. So do they have any legal remedies to recover the financial losses or damages caused by these possession issues?
1: So if you acquired at the arm's length transaction, right, closing through a title company and there's possession issues based on they didn't tell you that there was a tenant, Mm -hmm. then yes, you can sue them for damages based on the warranties that they make under the deed. Okay. Okay. But if you... um, acquire it through non-traditional means, right, through these auction processes, you can't really recover damages or losses against the former owners. You can try to sue the occupants for any try to, uh, any damages that they cause, but in practice, it's like flushing money down a toilet because yeah, those people, are not gonna be able to pay right, it. people that don't pay rent, people that like live in, in conditions of squalor and are damaging your property are not going to have the financial means to pay you if you win. So if you win right. the case, great. You might win the case. You have a judgment. Beautiful. What's that going to do? You have a nice piece of paper. Collections are going to be very, very difficult.
0: Right, right. <clears throat> um, are there any specific considerations or strategies that you know for investors who purchase properties that have these long-term tenants or lease agreements in place?
1: Well, I would say, uh, don't close on a transaction without really taking a good, long, hard look at those. Long-term leases, talking with the tenants, right? Mm-hmm. So, Checking when, when uh, if there's any renewal periods, seeing if there's any provisions in there for like raise uh, a raise of rent going up. Um, right.
0: So if uh, if you're okay at this arm's length transaction, you wanted this as a rental property anyway. Are the sellers who have been? renting this property out before you, are they required to disclose not only the lease itself, but like a history of payment and all that information Yes, so you can kind of determine what kind of tenant you have?
1: Yeah. You can request like the pro forma statements, uh, or, or, you know, sometimes it's called like a prospectus of rents, uh, where it's like the history of payment. You need that, right? You need that to say like, this person's been delinquent for six months or, this person gave me x amount as a security deposit because it's a seller's obligation to forward you all that stuff right to forward you rents collected through you know for like if you're closing on the 15th and they got paid on the first right they need to give you the 15th through the 30th rents right if they have a security deposit they need to forward you that amount of money okay so the the the
0: seller does have to give you whatever the security deposit was okay
1: excellent yeah can that
0: be baked into the purchase price like so, their deposit was three thousand. I'll just cut three thousand dollars off the
1: sales. No, price. no, because that security deposit does not belong to the seller. That belongs to the tenants.
0: So it's like in escrow.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Yeah.
0: That that's good to know.
1: Yes, which is why, going back to the lease thing, right? It's often such a mistake for people to think like, oh, just use that, you know, for rent. It's like, wait a second, this is, this is a completely kind of like separate monetary obligation, monetary sum for a very different thing, right? It's, it's your money until and unless I need to use it to fix something. Mm-hmm. I can't touch that money unless the lease says I can touch it for X, Y, and Z reason.
0: It's a cost retainer. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it is a cost retainer, yes, of sorts. Yeah. So, I, you know, considerations for investments uh, when you're purchasing properties with long-term tenants – You got to ask for all that info in advance, review it, never sign an agreement where you're going to take it with tenants in place that doesn't allow you to have an inspection period. That would be absurd.
0: And an inspection includes includes, their documentation as Mm -hmm. far as this is when they paid, Mm -hmm. they've always paid on time. Here's our ledger. Yep. Check it out. That's right. All right. Awesome. So lastly, what are the three things that an investor must do to legally gain possession of their investment property?
1: So number one, go back and determine how you got title. Mm -hmm. that tells you the process. Number two, determine the status of the occupant. Squatter, tenant, former spouse, seller, right? Right. And number three, you have to act timely. Uh, So timely notices, timely uh, filing of cases. Don't let things lag. Yeah, don't
0: procrastinate on those things. Because then you're saying that you're okay with it.
1: Well, yeah. And like, so talking to the eviction process, right? One big reason why these DIY evictions get kicked out is because they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did a three-day notice. But it's like, sir, you filed a case with a three-day notice from four months ago.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) This is stale, right? Right. So that's what I mean by timely. Okay.
0: Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast application and then tune in every Monday to get more tips on how to avoid investing's legal pitfalls and take your real estate business to the next level. You can also find us online at lcolawfl.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelegacyacademyfl.